Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, hello there. Welcome back. All right. I'll tell you what, plenty of jab things to get to, plenty of education-related things, as you might expect as well. A lot of different stories making the rounds. But I'll tell you what, I want to start off with this. I know, again, that I've written about this and spoken about this at length on numerous occasions, specifically regarding the fact that Donald Trump is still the commander-in-chief. It can't get more obvious. It just can't. Again, people paying attention to the details can clearly see what's happening, can clearly see what's going on. And there's not a whole lot that they're missing, which is great. And again, he's been moving around a lot recently, and his, uh, his movements are kind of the indicator, again, that he's still the commander-in-chief. So there's this particular post that's been bouncing around. It's very well done. They bring the receipts. They have the links that prove this, that show particular things. And I just want to read through this. It is titled, 10 More Indications That President Trump Is Still Commander-in-Chief From the Past Week's Presidential-Style Motorcades. It says the following, quote, The info below is a supplement to my April 20th info I posted regarding aspects of President Trump's presidential-style motorcades during the New York City arraignment, which has now been reinforced by key components of Trump's motorcades over the past week. During both of President Trump's arraignment hearings, there are compelling videos and photographic evidence that President Trump may very very well still be the commander-in-chief and or president based on identifiable components indicative of a presidential motorcade. It says, and yes, I bring the receipts, including below the presidential motorcade component highlighted in this post with links to video and pics showing the following. Number one, ambulance included in Trump's motorcades. Number two, massive number of police included in Trump's motorcades. Number three, a rear guard. Police vehicles followed ambulance in Trump's motorcade. Number four, a whole direction, seven lanes of the highway was shut down for Trump's route to Miami Courthouse, and four lanes of the highway were shut down for Trump's route to the airport leaving Miami Courthouse. Number five, motorcade vehicles wrap around Trump's plane on tarmac and exit layers of security around Trump's vehicle pulled up right next to stairwell of plane. Number six, multiple matching decoy vehicles, black suburban SUVs used in Trump's motorcade. Number seven, big number of people in Trump's Secret Service and security detail. Number eight, dedicated U.S. Secret Service vehicles and SUVs outfitted with front, rear, side-mounted police-like red-blue light bars. Number nine. Special Tactical Unit, or CAT, counter-assault team. In Trump's security detail, combat-ready, badass, heavily armed, sharpshooter types who were carrying long rifles. Number 10. Possible unverified, it says, military personnel deployed in in security detail, video and photo of military-style gear worn carried by some of Trump's security but these may just be special tactical unit guys. And it says number 11, semi-verified. Overwatch helicopter escorts overheard Trump's 6-13-23 Bedminster, New Jersey motorcade prior to post-arraignment speech. Video of single helo overhead verified. I'm sorry, yeah, overhead, verified, and screenshot of ADS-B exchange showing quantity of five helos overhead, but helo owners slash operators are unidentified. 
unknown if helos belong to military versus police versus news reporters. Need help from plain facts to verify, please. Uh, and then again, they go through all of, all of these specifics as to why each thing was present and what each thing looks like. It's, it's very interesting. Again, that's not typical of any single citizen, number one. Number two, that's not even typical for a diplomat. And number three, that's not typical for someone who is a former president of the United States. Again, a former president of the United States usually just travels with a few Secret Service, and that's really about it. Uh, beyond that, ladies and gentlemen, he's still in charge. He's still the commander-in-chief. And as you've heard me say, and numerous people have already said, I'm sure, you don't hand over the keys to the White House and the keys to the country, so to speak, even though we're the ones that run the country, or supposed to anyway. You don't hand that over to a foreign agency, and you don't hand that over to a criminal enterprise when you've caught that criminal enterprise working hand-in-hand with foreign agencies and at the exact same time stealing an election with the media's help. You don't hand that over to that person. You can't. Again, it violates your oath of office. And if you have the proof, which clearly he does and the military clearly does, that he doesn't belong there, and by he I mean Joe Biden, then there you go. So more good news. Again, it is happening. It's not happening, we know, at at the pace that we want. And it's driving people up the wall, and rightfully so, and I, and I fully understand. But that kind of leads me to this next point. And this is, again, one of the things that I've sort of paid, paid attention to here, having stepped away from, from this show just for the past week and spending my, uh, some time with my niece and nephew. But when you step away from all of this and you look at it from a different angle when you're not as deep in it, you see a great deal of things. and you actually. Find yourself paying attention, I think, a little bit more to some of the more nuanced details, and you find some peace in that. You find some peace in the fact that it's okay, that you can put this down for a little while, come back to it, and everything is all right. Yes, things are terrible. We're still being invaded at the border. I fully understand that. I understand the jabs are still doing their intended thing, and none of that is good, and and we're still having to live through that and watch that. But I'll say this, stepping away briefly, it allows you to essentially reassess who is on our side and who is working sort of against us, who is again seemingly on our side. And I have no no doubt in my mind that these people that I'm going to mention here in a second are on our side, but they are not working in the best interests of the whole, and certainly the whole as a country if they are incapable of thinking on a particular wavelength or at a higher dimension. And I've complimented this person and I've ridiculed this person back and forth. And again, they have very few, I would say, individual insights into what's really going on, which is why they are a host of their own show and they have multiple guests on who clearly bring more to the table than what they can bring on their own. And I'm talking about Stu Peters. Now, I basically have three separate individuals that I want to bring up. Stu Peters is one of them, so I'm going to focus on him first. Stu Peters, again, has, has gone Twitter crazy, and he started to post things like, we're the ones that have to take back control. He's basically said everything shy of, we have to start pulling triggers. 
Donald Trump is a mass murderer. He needs to be tried in Nuremberg 2.0 for being a mass murderer, blah, 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 blah. No one's coming to save us. There is no plan. Uh, Q was a psyop and, and lied to everybody and blah, blah, blah. Again, when, when he says that, he gives himself away. And you've heard me mention that time and time again. So I'm, I'm going to put Stu Peters to the side for a second. Again, he has excellent guests on who know way more about these subjects than he does. But he has no problem getting on Twitter and just railing on and on about particular things. And he doesn't understand that he's being left behind. That we're moving forward. We can see what's transpiring here. He's emotionally involved because his dad took the jabs because Donald Trump told his dad to take the jabs and he didn't listen to Stu and blah, blah, blah. So there's all that. But with Stu aside, the next person I think that is valuable who gets criticized consistently and frankly shouldn't because the guests that they have on their show and the things that they talk about on a consistent basis isn't hopium. It's actually blatant dot connecting that can't be more obvious. And I'm talking about Dave from X22 Report. Now, Dave from X22 Report puts out consistent shows. It's a great news aggregate if you're interested in finding out what's going on. You can just tune in anytime to an episode of X22. Again, not a paid spokesperson for these individuals. I'm just making some general observations here. But Dave from X22 Report highlights a number of different individuals and has guests on his show that have been in Trump's administration. Anybody who knows Dave from X-22 Report fully understands that he has been covering the Q-drops for a very long time since their inception, since the very start. And X-22 existed long before the Q-drops. He's been around for quite some time. This is not some psychological operation. I think this is a guy who can see through a number of different things, connects dots very well. Sometimes he goes out on the ledge on particular things, but don't we all from time to time? Uh, mispronounces endless names, which I find almost comical, but either way, the guy gets it. And, and I think that the indicator for anybody, if you're looking for some, some real positive juice in all of this, it's the simple fact, again, that he has guests on who are directly tied to Donald Trump. So who has he had on? He's had Devin Nunes on numerous times. You can't do that and not be on the right side of the issue and on the correct side of what's really transpired here and, and, and taking place. He's had Cash Patel. He's had uh, the former National Security Director, if memory serves. Um, he may have even had James Radcliffe. I'm thinking of two separate guys there, but you get what I'm saying. He has all of these people on. At the exact same time, though, and I think this is important too, he has some of the same guests that Stu Peters has on, like Karen Kingston. How is it that Dave from X-22 can have Karen Kingston on talking about the jabs and the paperwork and these companies and what they've done to people? And Stu Peters can have, of course, Karen Kingston on numerous times. In fact, Karen Kingston is probably the most frequented guest on Stu Peters' show. Which, again, what, what does that really mean? Why, why would Karen Kingston go on X-22 Report knowing full well 
that Dave from X22 Report has a very large audience, number one, of course, and number two, that he's been covering the Q drops and the Q connection and that wake-up psychological program that's been going on to deprogram people for a very long time. What is it that Stu Peters doesn't see about that? What is it that Stu Peters can't connect to that? That's, that's the real problem here. It's the same thing with Alex Jones. It's the same thing with, with any of those individuals. Any of those individuals that criticize the Q drops, they'll all have the same guests on. But the one thing that they all seem to disagree on, or at least Alex Jones and the Stu Peters of the world, you know, th- they think that the Q stuff isn't real. That it's all a psychological operation to dull the minds of everybody and weaken everybody and get them to not get activated. It had the exact opposite effect. So my point is this. It's, it's false equivalency yet again. It, it rears its ugly head yet again. You can't have Stu Peters looking at the Q thing and saying it's bullshit. And then Dave from X-22 with all of the guests that he's had on directly from Trump's administration and former administration. And those who were in Congress, like Devin Nunes when Trump was in office, and have Dave dedicate his show in large part to those Q drops on almost a episode in, episode out basis, and have both of them be right. Someone is wrong. Someone's wrong. And it's Stu Peters. And again, he, he gives himself away. It's Stu Peters, it's Alex Jones, it's those individuals, because again, they want people to rely on what they say and their belief system. And they're compromised from that emotional angle because they're overly emotionally invested in ha- having, again, th- those Q drops criticize him, in particular, Alex Jones. Again, Stu Peters is emotionally involved because his father got the jabs and he's sad and upset about that. Too bad. The problem is, is that Stu Peters, if the, if the shooting really started, Stu wouldn't know where to point the gun. He wouldn't have a clue as to where to point the gun. He'd start killing innocent people who are on the right side of history, who have been fighting, fighting back in their own way, in their own individual way against this tyranny for quite some time. And he would dismiss anybody who, again, wanted to look at things in a different manner and analyze things in a different manner. Now, again, why is he incapable of, of, of seeing that and, and paying attention to the larger drops and the larger picture? There could be endless reasons. It could be money. It could be funding. It could be a thousand things. I don't know. But he's ostracizing a great deal of people, and that's too bad. Here's the third person. Again, I, I think Dave from X-22 Report, just in summary, he's doing an excellent job. It's, he's doing an amazing job. It's an excellent news aggregate. It's a great place to go to, again, find a great deal of real information that's taking place. Again, it's not to dismiss the fact that there's terrible things happening. That's continuing to happen. but. That's those two individuals aside, and again, they can't both be right, someone's wrong. The, the third individual is Amazing Polly. Amazing Polly is absolutely fantastic. You're not going to find a more authentic individual who is not compromised by any stretch of the imagination. An individual thinker does great deep dives on a variety of subjects and sees things for what they really are. In fact, in her last episode, she was having a conversation on her back deck, and I highly recommend checking it out. Now, she bounces around a little bit. She makes it sound like she's interested in walking away from, from everything and, and not, doing it, you know, not doing what she's normally done in the past. 
And then at the exact same time, she says she's not going to quit doing what she's doing and so on and so forth. But she's she's been in this war for quite some time, too. And she's been, again, deplatformed and all of that stuff on a constant basis. But what she says, which is very valuable, is that you have to walk away occasionally and take those moments to walk away as being a sign that maybe you just need to step away for a few minutes and pay attention to a few things. Watch something grow. Make something. Pick up a new hobby. Do something else. It doesn't mean that you have to stop paying attention to the world that we live in. It's quite the opposite. It just provides you, it's a blessing, basically. It's a blessing in disguise, and it provides you a different angle on looking at things in a way that maybe you couldn't because you were neck deep in it in the first place. So she even brings up the Q drop stuff in her last episode. She said, if you even mention that now among certain circles, You'll get your head chopped off. People start criticizing you and ostracizing you and, and making fun of you and, and whatever else. And, and how dare you bring that up and how dare you say that? You've heard me say this on a constant basis. The people who profited from, all, from that movement, that giant once-in-a-lifetime psychological movement, to deprogram endless people, use the Socratic method to educate countless people and encourage people to do their own thinking and their own research, that's exactly what it did. It galvanized human beings across the world. That alone means that the enemy is going to lose. Because every move that the enemy is making right now, and they're making plenty of them, they're panicking because they're losing. And they've already lost. They've already lost. There were Q-drops that even said, we have plans long after Donald Trump. They're not going to let this slip back into the enemy's hands again. They aren't. And we can't let that happen because there's too many awake people. That's why people like Amazing Polly, Polly St. George, they have, they have a valuable, valuable role to play. When you have a down-to-earth individual such as herself talking about very real everyday occurrences and everyday things that happen to all of us, we can all relate to that. That's very relatable. But when you're screaming at the top of your lungs on the other end of the spectrum on Twitter, saying that there's no plan, Q is bullshit, there is no, there is no plan, trust what, blah, 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 Get, you know, you're, you're stuck to your couch, you're back in the matrix, uh, you know, we have to do things for ourselves, start pulling triggers, whatever. That's reckless. That's reckless. There's no thought in that. It's just blind shooting into the woods like, you know, Stu Peters is a character from the movie Predator. That's not helpful. Polly St. George is on the opposite spectrum. Again, to continue that Predator analogy, she's the one who recognizes that the Predator can't see if the person's covered in mud. So you cover yourself in mud from time to time. And you hide and you step back and you watch and you observe and then you get back in the fight. But if you're Jesse Ventura, just with a chain gun, just mowing trees down, you're going to get attacked from behind and you're not going to even know where the enemy is. And you're going to end up again ostracizing a lot of innocent people and, uh, and you're going to look foolish in the process. See, the thing that I consistently try to do with this show is very simple. I started it based on the collapse of education and the abuse of children that was taking place, again, regarding the mask mandates, the jab policies, all of it. That was the basis of all of this, that you cannot save American education. You can prop it up with toothpicks all you want, 
it's falling to the ground. And I have more evidence of that here in this episode. Way more evidence of it because it's continuing to happen. That's my forte. Always has been. Will continue to be. But at the exact same time, I recognize particular patterns. And I can see again who's fatigued and who's not. I would always rather lean more toward the individuals like Polly St. George, who again have their feet firmly placed on the ground, real down-to-earth people, not compromised, not bought off. There's no promo codes associated with them. None of that bullshit. Just straight up, you know, her telling stories again. I went to the bank during the mask mandate nonsense and they wouldn't even cash a check. I mean it was it was those stories that are so impactful because again everybody can relate to stuff like that. And that matters. That's a big big deal. But you'll never hear that from Stu Peters. He doesn't do that. He just yells and screams and shouts and Q is fake and anybody who believes it's an idiot and blah blah blah. That's just like again General Mike Flynn. I don't follow him. I don't pay attention to him. He's useless as far as I'm concerned. He's a geriatric, and no offense to the older individuals again, but him specifically, he's irrelevant. He's just irrelevant. If he ends up in another Trump administration, fine. I think he's still irrelevant. He's the one who's out there again, and I've played the audio on this show of him saying that anybody who believes that the Q stuff is real, he said this, by the way, that those people are stupid. I'm paraphrasing him, but that's but that's it. That they're just dumbasses or whatever it is that he said. Sorry. Now he could be saying that to trick people, but honesty is the best policy, and he could be run, running his own psychological operation on people. I know Lynn Wood ran away from him as quickly as humanly possible because he saw him as a grifter. Point is, is the war continues, and as the war continues, it's always important. I think to continue to pay attention to who's moving forward in a multidimensional, accurate direction, as opposed to those who are just blindly firing in the woods in order to make the most noise or draw the most attention to themselves. I don't think that that's helpful. So with that said, let me dive into some education-related things here, because again, there are many. First of all, I want to make this brief observation. Again, it doesn't necessarily relate to my niece and nephew, although kind of, but it's an education-related issue and certainly a behavioral one that I've picked up on over a number of years. And it's something, again, that I've even seen online with a number of videos of, of, of youth in particular. One of the problems with the education system and the way that it continues to sort of brainwash youth is it provides them with a false sense of accomplishment. Now, I've, I've brought up again the business of grades and grade cards and report cards and things of that nature. All of that stuff is fine and dandy. I don't think it means a lick. I, I just don't think it matters whatsoever. A person, get, you know, a person who gets straight A's, it doesn't mean that they know everything and we know that. The grading system is a charade. What is equally as problematic, however, in my opinion, is... On some of those grade cards, and this was certainly the case when I was a student, and it was the case actually when I was a school teacher, and I refused to participate in this when I was a school teacher. And the people that I worked with, like the administrators and the counselors, they didn't like the fact that I wasn't participating in this. 
but that right there should tell you something. On a lot of those grade cards, and again, it may still be this way, but teachers have the option of putting in, and usually it's, of course, done over the computer, but they have the option of putting in compliments for the student or for the, for the minor. So they may get an A, a B, or a C in the class, and then the teacher has the option or the responsibility, because they're forced to do it, to plug in some kind of a phrase or a sentence that they think describes the student. And it's usually taken from a pool of, of phrases or sentences. For example, and this is one of the common ones that pops up on a lot of grade cards where it will say courteous and cooperative. That the student is courteous and cooperative, or that they are a good leader, or has excellent leadership skills, or whatever. I mean, I hate to break it to people, but there isn't a child on the planet, in particular, again, an elementary school-aged child or even a middle school-aged child who is a leader, necessarily. There are leadership characteristics that can exist if a person can see them. But the reason that I'm bringing this up is I think that it highlights a larger problem, which is a false sense of self. That when a child reads something like that, that my teacher said that I have excellent leadership skills and I'm a leader, it can lead to an individual, again, a child, sticking their nose up in the air and thinking that they have it all figured out. This is a problem. It creates a false sense of confidence when really their confidence is not only on quicksand, but it's, it's quicksand and they're walking on a tightrope, kind of all at the same time. They think they have it all figured out, when in reality, they don't have anything figured out. They're children. They still don't have things figured out. But the school system, much like, again, with all the gender nonsense and cutting your genitals off and wear the rainbow flag and be tolerant and blah, 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 all of that garbage is is equal as far as I'm concerned when it comes to the 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 false sort of compliments in in that brainwashing environment that sh- that children may receive on report cards where it says courteous and cooperative well if they were really courteous and cooperative they would be courteous and cooperative in all aspects of their life not just within a school building they would be courteous and cooperative in their spare time they would be courteous and cooperative all of the time, not just when they're around a school teacher because they're doing what they think the teacher wants them to do. They should, do, they should want to do well for the sake of just doing well, not because they're going to receive a number or a letter that indicates that they think that they know a certain amount about a particular subject. Again, take any subject matter you want. A child who receives straight A's, for example, in all of their government classes throughout school, do you actually believe that that person knows everything that there's to know about government? Of course not. In fact, they go the entire time, all 12 years of schooling, quote-unquote learning about government, and they don't even know what the word government means that it literally means to lead the mind or brainwash the mind or control the mind. They're never even taught that in school. 
So the irony is palpable that, again, the school system, with all of its brainwashing and indoctrination and everything else, I, 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 can't, I can't bring this up enough, I don't think, and, I, and I've brought it up numerous times before. And again, when I've referenced uh, Dr. Tracy Cross's book, Suicide Among Talented and Gifted Students, or uh, something along those lines, Suicide Among Talented and Gifted Adolescents, I believe is the title of the book. That book is exquisite because it proves exactly what I'm saying here, and I've read the book at least twice, that those individuals end up walking through life who have all of the straight A's and the courteous and cooperative, and, oh, my teacher tells me a leader, which means I am. They then, again, start sticking their nose in the air around everybody else that they interact with thinking they have it all figured out, and they need to be humbled. Which means when something very small happens that upsets them, they go off the deep end. And they go off the deep end quicker than, say, the BC student who doesn't give a damn about school. See, that's the more level-headed individual, as opposed to the one who's, again, being fed all of this, I I would call them false compliments, or not accurate compliments, or accurate depictions of who the person really is. And as we're seeing, that's having a massive negative impact within the school environment. However, the flip side of that coin, which I just alluded to a second ago, is there are a great deal of students who are waking up to, for example, all of the gay nonsense and pride nonsense and transgender nonsense that exists in school, and they're fighting back. There are two examples that I want to bring up here that are that are certainly worth it, and I know they, they were making the rounds. One of them was a school in Massachusetts where, again, the students were roaming the halls and screaming at the top of their lungs that their pronouns are USA, USA. That story was fantastic because they've had enough of the rainbow bullshit. They're tired of it. They don't want any more to do with it at all. There was, an, uh, again, a, another video making its way around Gab. I posted on my Gab site. Looked like a high school teacher, female high school teacher playing some pride video, a cartoon for God's sakes, in in high school in front of students, and it showed these two cartoon characters kissing each other who were of the same sex, both female if memory serves, and people and the students started booing in the classroom. And then what did she do? The, the school teacher. She told them all to be quiet, be respectful. Watch the video, or else she threatened them with after-school detention. And then they all got quiet. See, that compliance is unsatisfactory as far as I'm concerned. I love the fact that they weren't compliant when it showed up and they voiced their opinions of disgust. And they should. we, we, We are supposed to live in a free and open society. The classroom is no different than that. And if you're going to show that kind of perverted material in... A classroom setting, then you have exactly that kind of reaction coming your way. The teacher should be fired for being an idiot. But as we know, the business is filled with them. The point is, is that the real reaction should have been for those students to get up and walk out of the classroom and say, we're old enough to read and write. We're going to go home and we're going to homeschool ourselves now. Adios. That sends a message, ladies and gentlemen, that would reverberate across the world the likes of which you can't possibly imagine. It's taking it to a completely separate dimension. 
And again, those students trapped in that classroom have no idea that there are children who are younger than them staying home by themselves on the internet for a few hours a day, homeschooling themselves, reading books, watching the videos that they want to watch to learn about the real world that we live in, going outside, playing, wrestling with a dog in the yard, doing a thousand other real-life activities instead of being controlled, fed false compliments, fed uh, inconsistent compliments, I would say, and then being indoctrinated with a grading system that is fraudulent and certainly misleading at the very least, not to mention, again, the curriculum being a lie, etc., etc., My point is, is the proper reaction in situations like that, again, they can be booing, there can be walkouts, there can be protests on the school grounds against all the gay stuff and everything that the students don't like. The ultimate move is to walk away permanently and leave it behind. Leave it in the rearview mirror and keep driving until you can't see it anymore. That's the way forward. Again, this environment cannot be fixed. It can't. But the students have got to be the ones to step up to the plate here. The young Americans of this country have to be the ones to step up and stand out from the rest of the brainwashed goons. Because as long as they're still playing the government game, well, they're still victims of the government game. I'm glad many of them have their heads on straight but they're still participating in the environment that seeks to do damage to them. That's always going to be a huge hot point for me because they're wasting their time and time is valuable and it's precious and we're running out of it. And a lot of people are running out of it and they have no idea. So I know that that was one of them. Another, another example, again, was in Canada. Same thing. The students had enough of it. They had they walked out of school, had a protest against all the gay stuff, um, you know, and then the, the news media ran up to one particular kid. Again, I put this video out on Gab, but the news media ran up to another kid who was wearing a mask and was crying and saying, it's just so disrespectful how they're making fun of us. And, you know, we just want to be tolerant with everybody and blah, blah, blah. Well, if you want to be tolerant with everybody, then why can't you tolerate their opinions? Are they not allowed to have them? But the protests, again, the protests are, are a separate and important move at a different dimension, but it's not as high as they could go. It's not, it's not the best decision. It's a good decision. It's just not the best one. And again, just very quickly to take it back to that school teacher again in the classroom who was showing the gay video, if their default response is the stereotypical, cliched teacher response of threatening children with detention if they don't comply, ladies and gentlemen, that's the dummy in the classroom opening the door for a student to respond in a way that the teacher is not expecting. Because after saying that, the teacher is expecting compliance. Don't provide it then. That's where you look at the teacher and you say, You can't suspend me and give me after-school detention if I'm not a student here. Goodbye. They pick up their bag and they leave. And if that happens in the middle of the class, what happens after that? What ripple effect occurs on a communication basis? Every single student 
who witnessed that in that classroom goes home and tells their parents what took place. And that right there again is sort of the glitch in the matrix. That's that shaking of the matrix for those individuals that starts to wake them up a little bit because those minors, those those young young adult students, they're again under 18, but they would start to say to themselves, wait a minute, they just made a move that I could have made. And if they know that person and f- are friends with that person, then they have that person's phone number and they know how to get a hold of that person. So that person decides to start homeschooling. Then their friends ask them, hey, what are you doing for homeschooling? Like, what is it that you're doing? And, they're go- and, they, and they tell them, they say, hey, look, I'm doing this or I'm doing that, or this is the program I'm using. That reverberates throughout the entire school then. It won't just be the student, the students in that classroom that find out about that. It will be almost everyone in the building. And then the building collapses. And then the students stop going. And then the school district doesn't understand why. It's slavery. But the walls are invisible. And visible. That's why walking away is always going to be the best option. Always. But there are ways for people to seize the day. And it's starting to happen more and more. And this is a very, very good thing. Now, here's another one. This comes from the College Fix. This is from last week. New Jersey bill would deny funding to schools if their libraries remove pornography. Now, think about how screwed up this is. It says the state Senate majority leader, school boards shouldn't decide. That it shouldn't be up to school boards to decide what books are removed or included within a library, but that that should be left up to the state. Well, why would the state get involved in an issue like this, which is a constant issue year after year? And, and again, it just continues to be a giant spotlight on who your enemy really is. If the state is getting involved to double down on all of the gay propaganda, then they're taking it away from the local level because they don't want the local level to give up authority. They view the local level as being too weak. And if more and more people again run for school board who are conservative-minded, so to speak, and certainly more moral than the other degenerates that are on school boards typically, they want, as government, to have the authority over the local level as much as humanly possible. In particular, again, when it comes to the indoctrination camps that exist throughout our country. So the point is, is it's a power play. This is exactly what the, what the enemy wants, and this is exactly what the enemy will do when they see that they are starting to become compromised at the local level. They have to exhibit their power as much as humanly possible to remind people that they are ultimately in charge, that it's the state level that is ultimately in charge. And if they start to see power slip away, they're going to step in and do whatever they have to do to retake as much as humanly possible. Again, it's almost ironic that that the battle continues to exist within the library. They are proving to everybody that they are interested in their por- in, in their pornography, in, in their pornographic books, and that degeneracy. But if you even attempt to include a Bible or a copy of Mein Kampf, or any other book that they would typically scream and shout at the top of their lungs about, 
and say, well, we can't have that. That's disrespectful or we can't have that. All it does is it continues to show the hypocrisy of these people. And you can't again. I, I just don't, I don't understand why people continue to send their children into those environments when it can't be more obvious. Hypocrites are untrustworthy, which means why trust the people within the environment? Why trust the environment? Why trust anything that comes in or out of that environment? You can't. But people are still chained to it because, again, walls of their prison are invisible. They cannot see them. But that does not mean for a minute that more and more people aren't waking up and can't be woken up. They can. And it's happening. It's still happening. Again, take these, take just the last few years into context. Just the last three years. Three years ago, were you seeing pride demonstrations by K 12 students walking out of schools because they're tired of all the gay nonsense? Did that happen three years ago? I don't recall that making the rounds on social media three years ago, let alone two years ago. It started to ramp up last year, I recall, and this year it's gotten even worse, but better. As far as we're concerned, it's gotten better. As we know, the final move regarding all of this gay nonsense, whether it's in libraries, schools, wherever, is to just walk away and not attend them anymore. It's that simple. Now, moving on to jab-related stuff, and there's a great deal to go over here. And I have some audio that I want to play also from Rochelle Walensky, because she testified very casually, I might add. And I'll get into a few of those observations in a little bit here. But uh, she, she testified very casually in front of one of the House committees, I believe, run by Jim Jordan. And again, the wrong questions were asked, but I'll get into that uh, a little bit later. First of all, this comes from cleverjourneys.wordpress.com, and it's titled, Updated Research Finally Proves Extreme Dangers of COVID Vaccines. And what, of course, we know, and this isn't a shock to any of us, but it's continuing to prove that all of these universities and everything that they did and everything that they forced is killing copious amounts of people. And there's another thing here that I want to add also. That there are varying degrees, as we know, of what these shots have done to people. And there's no way that you're ever going to be able to convince a level-headed person that these are not biological weapons. There's no other way to put it, that they are biological weapons. And I'll give you two examples. Number one, and you've heard me reference this person too, and again, this is before I dive into this article, which is rather common sense for us. But Deion Sanders, the former NFL player, of course, and uh, current coach of the Colorado University of Colorado's football team, he's on the verge of losing his foot. Now, this is on the exact same leg where he's had blood clots taken out of his, and frankly, full-blown arteries taken out of his leg and had toes amputated. But what's happening now is, is the circulation is so bad in his foot and in his leg that he's likely to lose his entire foot. He, of course, is at the very least double, if not triple jabbed. Why he's even alive at this point is beyond me. In fact, I'm shocked that the triple jabbed are still walking around. But, unfortunately, for certainly Deion Sanders, 
his body continues to deteriorate and shut down on itself. And the pain continues because, as you might expect, removing arteries out of the human body is not a good thing. In particular, when they're filled with these nanoparticle, metal-like structures that are, I would say, side-showing as blood clots, which clearly they are not. They're far worse. So that's a thing that's happening. There was also a story of a New York musician who apparently is well-known in the New York City area, and uh, he's at the very least double, if not triple, jabbed, and now he's paralyzed from the waist down. And the story associated with him had something to do with him having what was called, anyway, a stroke in his spine and in his lower back. And it ended up leading to a broken blood vessel, which again stopped blood flow to the lower part of his body and certainly an area of his spinal cord. And as a result of taking the shots, he is now confined to a wheelchair and cannot move his lower extremities. Again, this is impacting copious amounts of people, hundreds of millions, if not billions, of people at this point. And it's certainly a progressive kind of thing. Yes, it can take a person's life instantly, but it's also chipping away at the entire makeup of these human beings one slice at a time. And it just continues to baffle me that there are copious amounts of people not making these connections. And they're certainly not speaking up and speaking out against it. But this is another example as to why these university environments are finished. They're finished. Number one, they're insolvent. They're tens of millions of dollars, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in debt, rather. And uh, I I can't for the life of me figure out why students would continue to show up to these environments. But this article continues here. It says there's no longer a mystery why so many athletes, in particular student athletes they highlight, have been falling over dead or with serious health injuries since 2020. According to the International Olympic Committee data from 1966, until the COVID jabs existed, an average of 29 athletes under the age of 35 suffered sudden death per year. After the COVID bioweapon jabs were introduced after the first year from March of 2021 through March of 2022, 769 athletes died or suffered cardiac arrest. To this day, the count rises dramatically in those who were vaccinated for COVID. Now, it says last Tuesday, Illinois uh, Congressional Representative Mary Miller grilled Secretary of Health and Human Services Xavier Becerra over the increase in myocarditis as a reported side effect of mRNA COVID vaccines. Quote, how did the risk of myocarditis and health complications from the second dose of the mRNA vaccine compare? to the risk of serious complications from COVID in young men and teenage boys, Miller asked. How did that compare? Quote, I'd like everybody to notice the alarming red line that is in the increase in myocarditis among young men and teenage boys after they received the COVID vaccine, and I'd like to know why the Biden administration continues to push this on our young men and teenage boys and even pregnant women and babies to receive this vaccine, Miller continued but especially our young men and teenage boys who we can see are at increased risk for myocarditis. Okay, I'm going to stop the article there 
because I have some audio to play from Rochelle Walensky that dives into this more specifically. They're still asking the wrong questions. This representative, Mary Miller, is, is pigeonholing this subject on pregnant women and teenage boys. The answer to that is no. Myocarditis is across the board, regardless of age. Again, the number of people who have serious health problems and myocarditis or undetected, undiagnosed myocarditis as a result of these shots is incalculable. However, the expose has this article titled, Expert Doctor Confirms COVID Vaccines May Have Seriously Damaged Hearts of 100 Million Plus Americans. It says the the vaccines, not vaccines, bioweapons, are causing heart injury in at least 2.8% of people who receive the COVID-19 injections. According to Dr. Thomas Levy, a minimum of 7 million Americans now have hearts damaged by COVID vaccines. It continues, and it says, and although there's no way of being certain at this time, he said, it's within the realm of a possibility that over 100 million people in America have some degree of heart damage from these injections, not myocarditis, but heart damage that will be detectable with a troponin test, unquote. Now, that actually leads me to this. I found this out. This is a rather interesting, and, and perhaps uh, this is something that you too could inquire about where you live. But in the city where I live, again, it's a town, but population-wise, they call themselves a city. The city workers are being told that they have to submit to mandatory blood testing or else they're going to be docked pay. But they're not being told what the blood tests are for and what they're testing for. And the people who are telling, the other city workers who are telling these city workers, like the city council and whatever, they're not even told what this blood test is for. So no one apparently knows. They're just being told that they have to submit blood. Why would that be the case? What is it that they're looking for? The moment that I first heard that, I initially thought to myself, well, they're going to test to see if they have a certain number of T cells in their blood, which would indicate a compromised immune system or not a compromised immune system. Because again, these city workers took the jabs. They were coerced into taking them with $100. Here's a hundred bucks if you take the shots, if you take the vaccines, and I assume that almost all of them did it. For the very first time in, in history, as employees, they did this. And now they're being subjected to, again, being coerced into submitting blood for something for which they don't even know what it's being tested for. It has to be for a compromised immune system. Or a possible D-dimer test to detect if there's blood clotting taking place. Or maybe, again, I don't know what is involved in this troponin test, but something related to heart damage. And then, of course, they're keeping this information away from these individuals, or are they going to share this information with these individuals? It's beyond awful, and it's beyond sketchy. But there's no way that this is only happening here and among these city workers. This has to be happening almost everywhere. 
So again, if you know someone who works for the city, wherever it is that you live, wherever it is that you're listening to this, or you know of someone who's gone through this particular process or you have experience with this, again, shoot me an email. I'd be happy to read it on the show and and let people know what you're experiencing on your end because this is beyond odd. The people who are controlling this know what's going on behind the scenes, but they're not telling anybody what's really happening. And the evidence is all right here. And that leads me to this, Rochelle Walensky. I'm going to play just a little bit of audio here. Again, it was about two hours and 17, two hours and 14 minutes long. Uh, Jim Jordan was asking her questions, Marjorie Taylor Greene, of course, a number of individuals, and Congressman Dr. Ronnie Jackson was asking questions, and I want to play that audio from him. A couple of observations just very quickly. Number one, Rochelle Walensky, of course, is not the head of the CDC anymore, and she's leaving, and she knows it. Number two. She was wearing the exact same thing this time testifying in front of this committee that she has worn previous times. It's as if she doesn't have a wardrobe and she just has one outfit and one jacket and she just wears the same thing. I don't know if that's purposeful in an effort to try to deceive people into not knowing when they're watching her because apparently, I don't know if she understands that there are dates associated with these videos that we can clearly see or if she's just a lunatic. Personally, I think she's a psychopath, and it was this testimony that really solidified it for me. And here was the other observation that I made, which again, if if you go and watch it, in particular, if you go back and watch some of her previous clips or previous testimony and this most recent one, you'll see a completely different person. She is far more casual in this testimony than any testimony she's given in the past, whether it be in front of Congress or in front of the Senate or whatever it may be. She was way more serious in previous ones, and the questions were even more serious, but here in this one, she was smiling almost all of the time, and she would even have her right hand placed on on the side of her right face as her elbows leaning on the table as she's looking at them smiling as she's answering their questions, and then she would take her hand off of her face and roll her hand around with a smile on her face, making it sound like she has it all figured out, and then put her hand back on her face very casually as she continues to smile. This woman is not well. She's responsible for endless murders. In fact, there was a former uh, military dude who's uh, sitting behind her, and this video was making the rounds too, or he shook her hand before she sat down and he said, I'm looking forward to your testimony and, and listening to you discuss how you've murdered over 38,000 people. And she turned around and she sat down and, you know, didn't respond to that comment. Unfortunately, that military individual who you can see sitting behind her was referencing the VAERS report, which I don't recommend people do that. Rochelle Walensky is a murderer and is responsible for towing the depopulation line here that's caused the deaths of tens of millions of people, if not hundreds of millions of people, if not more than that. So you're going to hear her casual nature throughout this, and certainly within this one clip. What you're also going to hear are the wrong questions being asked, because the questions that needed to be asked were not asked. And all you would have to ask really is this one question. Has SARS-CoV-2 ever been isolated? Just ask that one. 
because the answer is no. The reason, of course, they don't ask that question isn't because someone hasn't sent it to them to ask. That's not why. The reason that they don't ask is because it blows up the virology lie. It, it blows up the entire fact that there is no COVID. There is only poison in an injection that is transmitted then via injection and then through electromagnetism from person to person in close proximity. That's it. It's not coughing and sneezing. That isn't it. It's just injection because it's just poison. So here's Ronnie Jackson. He's a doctor, a medical doctor. He should know better, but he takes a rather soft line with Rochelle Walensky also and tries to catch her on her hypocrisy. And again, like a good psychopath, she has an answer for everything. So here's that exchange. It's about six minutes long in three, two, one. Now recognize Dr. Jackson from Texas for five minutes. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. I appreciate it. Uh, due to the in, uh, due to the constant inconsistencies, the contraindication or the 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 uh, contradictions and the lack of transparency from the Biden administration, CDC, the FDA, and the White House as well, many Americans have lost trust in in, in our public health officials, and we've talked about that at length in a variety of these hearings. Uh, as I've mentioned before, regaining America America's uh, trust in our public health officials should be among our top priorities right now. But to do so, we do have to expose some of the misinformation and the misconceptions that were used, unfortunately, as an excuse to disrupt and control almost every aspect of our life for, for, for quite some time. Director Walensky, this is a tweet that you posted in August of 2020 before your tenure as, before your tenure as CDC director in response to a tweet from previous a CDC director. Uh, he, he writes, uh, am I hopeful that we, have a vac that we will have a vaccine in the coming months? Yes. Do I think this will get us back to pre-COVID reality? No. Vaccines take a long time to get to people. They often have stumbles and rollout, and they don't protect perfectly. It's very important, but it won't end COVID. And you replied, spot on. Combating COVID-19 requires a comprehensive, multi-pronged approach. Masks, tests, treatments, vaccines. Those holding out for a vaccine alone are going to be sorely disappointed. Time to beef up the dimensions we have on hand already. In this tweet, you clearly indicate that vaccines alone will not be enough to combat COVID-19. However, as the CDC director in July of 2021, you coined what I believe to be a divisive slogan, pan the pan pandemic of the unvaccinated, uh, suggesting that unvaccinated are the reason the pandemic persists and to some extent pitting the vaccinated against the unvaccinated, which uh, did, I don't think did any favors, uh, which appears, this, but this appears to directly contradict your 2020 tweet. What caused you to reverse your opinion? I wouldn't call it a reversal of opinion. All of our guidance has demonstrated that we have layered mitigation strategies. We have all of the things that I comment on in the tweet. What, um, what I, I, I meant by the pandemic and the unvaccinated is that the people who were dying were largely the unvaccinated. And the whole point was to say, if you want to prevent severe disease and death, you should get vaccinated. You can do all of these other things and all of them help. There was all this layered mitigation that we were promoting at the time. Um, so I would say that that tweet and my, my my actions as CDC director and that comment were actually all internally consistent. Did, did the White House or any other official in the Biden administration pressure you or suggest to you that you should make statements that painted the vaccine as, as the primary solution for the pandemic? Um, no, what, but it was very clear from our vaccine effectiveness data that it was going to be one of the major things that helped us get out of it.
I mean, we were seeing that as the CDC and all of our vaccine effectiveness. News. But I think you said earlier, you said that uh, early on the vaccine was very effective, but later on it wasn't as effective. And people that were unvaccinated or people that were vaccinated were being hospitalized and were dying because the vaccine was no longer as effective as it was initially. Is that what you said? I don't think I said it exactly that way. I think that over time we saw vaccine effectiveness wane and over time we saw less effectiveness with the Omicron variants and their subvariants. But still to this day, we see remarkable effectiveness at preventing ICU stays and preventing death if you've been vaccinated and boosted with the most up-to-date booster. Honestly, I don't agree with your, I mean, I don't disagree with your initial statement, the tweet that was sent out. What I disagree with is the later statement that, you know, that, that only the unvaccinated, uh, you know, are, are dying from this. At the time, this was a year into it. This was uh, uh, July of 2021 when you made the statement about the pandemic of the unvaccinated. We knew at that point that, that to, to be true what you stated earlier, that, that, that the vaccine was not as effective as it was before. And that, that no, even if that applied initially, it no longer applied at that point that far in. So what I'd like to know is, uh, did, did uh, political pressure ever impact your CDC guidance on your public statements about the COVID-19? Did you ever feel like you were making statements based on political pressure rather than the science that was available? I run a science-based agency. I'm a scientist. And the statements that I made are defended by the science. And, and do you believe that uh, any of the statements or the, the, the uh, seemingly contradictory statements that were out there, uh, do, you, do you think that contributed to uh, the, uh, the, the lack of uh, trust in our public health system that we have today? I would um, uh, dispute the word contradictory. What happened over time is that vaccine effectiveness waned and we got a new subvariant and variant that behaved differently in terms of how our vaccines worked. So it evolved over time. Our science changed over time. We learned more over time and we had a new variant over time. And with that, it is my responsibility as the CDC director to update the American people with the newest science. Well, Director Wilinski, I, I I think that there's a there was a lot of things that went wrong during the during the pandemic, but I hope that you know that you're going to reflect back on your decisions as well and the statements that you made in the course of this pandemic as a CDC director, because I think they drastically altered how the American public views our public health officials. I think it's safe to say that your resignation later this month is going to be an important step in returning America's trust to an organization that uh, you did great damage to in my in my, in my opinion during your tenure. With that I yield back, Mr. Chair. That was a nice dig he made there at the end. Well done. Uh, again, not asking the right questions. Not asking the right questions and letting her get away with copious amounts of lies. Again, if Ronnie Jackson believes that it's important for the American people to regain trust in government institutions and medical institutions, his priorities are backwards. The answer is no. Most of us didn't trust it to begin with. 2020 pretty much proved you have no business trusting it. 2021, 2022, 2023, and every year, as every single person who took these jabs continues to fall ill with a compromised immune system, suffer copious amounts of health problems, and ultimately die, there's no need to ever go back to trust government institutions. It's government. Trust in government is an oxymoron. So no, that's not where the focus belongs. Number two, the variant lie you've heard me say is going to be their excuse. They're going to say there, there were emerging variants and that's why the, the quote-unquote vaccine failed to work in the future unless you've had an updated booster. It's complete and utter bullshit. 
There are no variants, and any medical doctor saying so, even the Peter McCulloughs of the world, are dead wrong. There's no such thing. There's just a bunch of idiots typing things into a computer, putting line graphs together, and saying, look, this color means it's a variant. This color over here means it's a different variant. There's no such thing. There's just deteriorating immune systems and damaged DNA from person to person as a result of the shots. But they're letting her get away with this. Because again, many of these people on Congress are receiving kickbacks from the medical industry. We know that for a fact. And number two, they may be so blind and so brainwashed that they believe the virology lie. That's too bad. Because them perpetuating these lies is still having a negative impact on society. The other thing too, when Rochelle Walensky was talking about the unvaccinated are dying in hospitals, no. Hospitals were murdering people, as we know, and as I've covered here at length, with their hospital policy. The unvaccinated were not dying. If they were dumb enough to go into a hospital to receive medical treatment, the hospitals were murdering them and being paid more money to do so. This is a fact. That, too, was not brought up to her. Again, the questions to ask Rochelle Walensky would be so easy. You could ask her again the SARS-CoV-2 question. Has it ever been isolated? She would say yes. The answer, of course, is a resounding no. And you would show her all of the lawsuits that exist that prove that it has never once, after hundreds and hundreds of testimonies or lawsuits, that it has not been isolated. This has been proven and was proven years ago. That would be the first thing. Another fun question to ask her would be this, a nice fifth grade question. What is the scientific method? And have her describe it to you. Because she can't. She doesn't know what the scientific method is. She has no problem telling everybody she's a scientist. She's not. A scientist would apply the scientific method, not read emails, toe the party line and toe the narrative line, do what their bosses told them to do and what their funders told them to do, and then go in the same direction as what they all say to do, and ignore what's actually happening to people, the fact that the jabbed are the ones that are dying, the fact that the unjabbed are pretty much fine, unless, of course, they've been transmitted on or, uh, or shed on to such a high degree that they are suffering severe illness, if not death, as a result of being shed on from the jabbed. That's the real answer, though. So the wrong questions are being asked. The wrong answers are being given. And her behavior and the looks on her face would indicate that she's not going to be held accountable, so she thinks, because someone has told her, look, you can go in front of these committees all you want, stick to the same story that you've told everybody else, that it's the variants and they changed and science changes over time, and just continue to repeat that line and then you'll get away with it. It'll be okay. It'll be a show. There might be some uncomfortable questions, but just smile back at them and laugh it off and you'll get away with all of this. Rochelle Walensky should be at the front of the line when the news drops. She has to be in the top five, top ten. 
She's certainly in the top 10. I would put her in the top five. She has to be. She can't be allowed to get away with this. Again, if street justice doesn't catch up to her, something else has to. But these people cannot walk free. These are the largest criminals that exist in our society. And again, she's very casually just laughing it off. Let's play one more interaction here. I want to play the uh, Jim Jordan interaction. And again, there were a lot of questions her way. Um, James Comer from Kentucky is the chairperson for this for the select committee, the House Select Committee on, on the coronavirus nonsense. But here's a, a Jim Jordan interaction, and this is about five minutes long. So give this a listen. I now recognize Mr. Jordan from Ohio. For Thank you, Mr. Minutes. Chairman. Doctor, why did you and the Biden administration mislead the American people? Um, you'd have to say more. I'm Mar- wouldn't claim March that 29, 2021. Vaccinated people do not carry the virus. Vaccinated people don't get sick. We got that information from clinical trials, but also real world data. Seems to me there are a number of statements you make in there that aren't accurate. Um, do vaccinated people carry the virus? In March of 2021, um, the vast majority of data demonstrated that the vast majority of people were not getting infected if they were vaccinated. That's not what you said. You didn't say the vast majority of people. You said vaccinated people do not carry the virus. Was that accurate? Uh, It was generally accurate. Generally accurate. Why not just be accurate? Why not just tell the American people the truth? Why Why not you say to the American people just what you said to me? We're big boys and girls. We pay your salary. The government is supposed to be of the people, by the people, for the people. Why not just tell us the truth? Uh, I was speaking. Was six weeks later when you said if you were to get infected during post vaccination, you can't give it to anyone else. Was that accurate? Uh, what was the date of that? May 19, 2021. Um, at the time, we had the Wuhan strain and then the Alpha strain. That was the Alpha strain that was circulating. That was generally true. Yeah. Generally true again? Why not again? Why not tell the American people this is generally true? Um, I couldn't tell you the exact data on the vaccine effectiveness of symptomatic disease and severe disease at the time. What I can tell you is that we generally saw that if you were to get infected after you had been vaccinated, that you were not carrying the virus by transmitting it to somebody else. You could not transmit it to others. But we know that's not accurate. It was at the time. Now, what really? happened? Yes, in really? May of 2021, it, what, that, was hap- that was true really? for the Alpha variant. What, what happened? Let me ask you about all the general statements that were made to the American people, not general statements, the way you guys said it. You said, uh, was it our tax dollars? Were our tax dollars used in the lab in, in China? Uh, that is something that you would have to speak to NIH about. Our tax dollars were used. Uh, it, it sure looks like it was gain-of-function research. It sure looks like it actually came from the lab, and we've had several agencies, federal agencies, say that's, in fact, where the virus originated. The Biden administration told us that the vaccinated couldn't get it. We know that's not accurate. The, Bi- the Biden administration told us the vaccinated couldn't transmit it. They told us masks worked, and they told us there was no such thing as natural immunity. That seems to me to be, what, seven different statements that turned out not to be true that we got from this administration. Again, why not just tell the American people the truth? Um, um, so I would dispute some of what you just said. In October 2021, CDC released a scientific brief highlighting all of the science that was out there on infection-induced immunity. And there, I, I don't know the long list that you, I don't remember all the long list, but there are numerous areas where we have provided science um, and the science review to, to provide data to the American people as soon as we had it. 
I actually think what happened is you actually tried to be honest with the American people and the Biden administration shot you down. You remember when you said this in February, this is before you made these statements, which I think are not uh, not being square with the American people. You said vaccination of teachers is not a prerequisite for safely reopening schools. Did you make that statement? Uh, something to that effect. I can't exactly say the quote, but yeah. Vaccinations of teachers is not a prerequisite for safely reopening schools. I think you made that statement on February 3rd. Um, do, you, do you stand by that statement? Um, at the time, yeah, I, I, that we, we had an, uh, a week later or 10 days later, we had an operational guidance that demonstrated layered mitigation strategies and that you could safely reopen. Were you speaking as, were you speaking as Dr. Walensky or were you speaking as Dr. Walensky, head of the CDC? Um, I have said that while I've been in front of Congress and the media, um, and press conferences, I, during my tenure as CDC director, I've been speaking as the CDC director. But that's not what the White House said, right? Uh, Jen Zaki said, Dr. Walensky spoke to this in her personal capacity. Do you remember that statement? I do. Uh, who's right? Uh, you Jen Zaki or you? Well, I will tell you that I was speaking in my, my um, looks role to me, as the CDC looks director. To me, looks to me like what happened is in February, you said, I'm going to be honest with the American people. I'm going to give it to them straight. Vaccination of teachers is not a prerequisite for safely opening schools. And the Biden administration hung you out to dry. They said, nope, she ain't talking for us. Jane talking as the head of the CDC. She's talking as Dr. Walensky. And then a month later, you said, well, you know what? I better not be totally honest with the American people. So I'm going to say vaccinated people do not carry the virus and they don't get sick. And everyone understands, like, wow, I know someone who's been vaccinated. They've gotten sick afterwards. I think what happened is you try to be honest and they said no. And then you said, well, I'm going to have to hedge a little bit. I'm going to have to give the American people misleading statements from the head of the CDC. You were speaking as head of the CDC in both situations, right? I have said I've been speaking as the head of the CDC. All the time. Yeah. Well, it would have been nice if you'd have just been honest and straightforward with the American people every single time throughout this, uh, throughout this virus. With that, I yield back. I have by my commitment to tell the American people what I know when I know it. Thank you. Again, she was smiling the entire time. She's a psychopath. She's a psychopath. Uh, he, he, here's, here's the variant lie again, okay? It, it boils down to this. You inject person A with this COVID poison, with this bioweapon. You inject person B with the same bioweapon. The bioweapon reacts a particular way in person A that is different from person B. You then suck up the blood of person A who is ill from the bioweapon, and you put it on a slide, and the cells look one way. You then suck up blood from person B, who has taken the same poison as person A. You put it on a separate slide, and the cells look even different from that of person A. Both people are sick. Both people are dying. That's your variance, then. It's just because the cells look different in person A from person B. So they say, well, it must be a different variant. That's where the variant lie comes into play. It's a fairy tale. There is no variant. There is only poison. And then, of course, there are different human beings, which is why we're seeing a plethora of illnesses, all 390-some-odd pages of illnesses associated with these shots and what they're doing to people, and of course, it and how, rather, it attacks every single body system. These hearings are not helping, because again, all they're doing is going back and reading old tweets and, you know, maybe waking up a few people as to the hypocrisy of the people like Rochelle Walensky, but she's a psychopath.
smiling all the way throughout. I didn't lie to the American people. I told the truth the best I could, and based on the science that was changing, things were difficult and blah, blah, blah. I'm telling you, front of the line. Front of the line. It has to be that way. Here's another one. Uh, Children's Health Defense. Dot org. Experts astounded after FDA rejects request to add health risks to COVID vaccine labels. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration had had, uh, had rather the opportunity to improve COVID-19 vaccine labeling, but according to a team of medical and public health experts, the agency refused to make the change. Shocking. It's almost like that's what a criminal organization does when they're trying to kill people. Again. Absolutely nuts. The FDA also, this is from ICANDecide.org, FDA admits that it has no records indicating COVID-19 vaccine safety protocols were followed. Shocking, I know. Again, another government agency openly admitting, or at least it finding out, or we finding out, that they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing all along. Then again, it's the FDA. They're a criminal organization. I know it's exhausting. I know it's tiring. It's the same thing time and time again. And I just think we're going to have to continue to endure this as long as humanly possible. It actually leads me to this, and I'll conclude with this. In fact, I'm going to conclude with a George Washington quote I think is rather appropriate. But I want to read this too because this is rather timely. This is from Mario... Uh, Nawfall, if I'm saying that right, probably not on Twitter. It says the following here. It says, breaking U.S. to declassify all information related to the origins of COVID-19 no later than Sunday, which of course is Father's Day, June 18th. It says, by law, America's Director of National Intelligence is required to declassify and make public all information relating to the origins of COVID-19 no later than Sunday. These documents may finally put an end to the discussion on where the virus originated from, dispelling numerous rumors and conspiracy theories. I highly doubt it, by the way. Uh, They continued, said, remember how the lab leak theory was considered a conspiracy theory? Well, here's some recent facts. In February of this year, the Department of Energy concluded with low confidence, quote unquote, that COVID probably leaked from a lab in Wuhan. The FBI came to a similar conclusion back in 2021, and senior Biden administration officials also admitted that the lab leak theory is equally plausible to the uh, natural origins theory, it says. It says, we saw how Fauci promoted Dr. Anderson to write the paper disapproving the lab leak theory. We also saw the leaked emails where Fauci influenced his colleagues to dispel the theory with the apparent backing of the World Health Organization. It says, I was one of few that dispelled that theory, even backing the censoring by social media platforms for the greater good, quote-unquote. My entire viewpoint changed this year, but I'm still looking for an answer, if we ever get one. Will we get an answer this week? What do you expect it to be? Ladies and gentlemen, if we do, something will be redacted. There's no way on earth it's going to be 100% accurate. That isn't going to happen because, again, they would have to expose the entire virology lie and the fact that there's nothing that's airborne, that it just exists in a syringe, and that it's just poison. 
That's that's it. So I want to make mention of this too, because I think this is rather tasteless uh, and remarkably disgusting, and it continues to happen among a number of individuals, but in particular, Steve Kirsch. Steve Kirsch continues to attempt to throw up money or say he's going to throw up hundreds of thousands of dollars if those who are proponents of the vaccine bioweapon would debate somebody who isn't a supporter of the bioweapon vaccine, quote unquote. I think that this back and forth debate and and providing money to people if they'll just debate, because I know Joe Rogan has participated in this recently as well. I think that this whole thing is disgusting. All of it. I don't care what side of the fence these people sit on. I think they're all gross. How about you take $600,000 that you're offering up for people to debate the legitimacy of, of these bioweapons or vaccines or the whole COVID hoax lie thing, and you just go help homeless veterans? How about you do that instead? But see, they don't do it. And as I said on Gab with this comment, they don't do it because there's no fame in it, there's no clicks in it, there's no attention on it. And even these, these sick individuals like the Steve Kirsch's of the world who have exposed a great deal with his ghost writers on his Substack channel regarding a great many things, even he isn't awake. Again, lifelong liberal, at least double jabbed, late to the party. But now he thinks he's some cool guy because he's throwing up hundreds of thousands of dollars for people to have some conversation about how they'll disagree on practically everything. Stop it with the threats of throwing up money or the dares to throw up money to have a conversation and just go help someone instead. It's far easier and far more worth it, I think. That's my two cents on that. Okay. Quick quote from George Washington. I'll end with this. I put this up on Gab 2. I enjoyed this. It is titled to the American troops before the Battle of Long Island. Quote, The time is now near at hand, which must probably determine whether Americans are to be free men or slaves, whether they are to have any property that they can call their own, whether their houses and farms are to be pillaged and destroyed and themselves consigned to a state of wretchedness from which no human efforts will deliver them. The fate of unborn millions will now depend, under God, on the courage and conduct of this army. Our cruel and unrelenting enemy leaves us only the choice of a brave resistance or the most abject submission. We have, therefore, to resolve to conquer or to die. Unquote. I couldn't agree more because it's still relevant even to this day. Ladies and gentlemen, it's good to be back. I'll catch you on Wednesday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.